encouraging, an encouragement or a courage to listen to that again and go for it again because God is a creator and the way things come into this world is, is through us. And we're in a time where we need um, some new creation happening. There's a lot being ripped down. And I heard an awesome quote, any old donkey can rip down a barn, but it takes someone special to build something, to build a barn. So, you know, I just have this burden on my heart that we need to create. And um, it's not coming from me this morning. What I'm doing right here isn't going to, um, you know, I, isn't going to impact what's happening in the city, it's you guys. You know, it's the teachers, it's the businessmen, it's the students, it's the athletes. And so I kind of feel like I'm, I'm not here to be looked at as um, the instrument you guys are. And that's what we see in Ephesians 4. So I hope, you know, we can just breathe that calling, that life, that dignity into you guys that um, you're not just you know, taking up space on this earth, but God has you here right now for this time. And um, I just hope this message can encourage that and lead to that, and um, I'm excited to get into it. Maybe I'll just start by putting up the title slide just right away. Uh, today, the, the title is The Way I'm Seen, uh, Philippians 2 and uh, Luke 4. So you guys can kind of go there in your Bibles and Hold that place will be kind of, um, it's not very much scripture, but I kind of just want to slow down with these few verses. And uh, me and my wife, uh, we were at a concert last week, um, and the artist, she was this awesome female artist, and she was talking about how she, she feels the most opposite and different um, with the, the people she's biologically the closest to, her parents. <laughs> you know, and it just kind of, it hit me, it summed it up for me that I think right now it's really hard because there is a big gap, you know, I, um, between the way our, the, the kids are seeing the world and the way the parents are seeing the world. And it's an ideological gap. And um, what I, today, I hope we can just look at the master, Christ himself. How do you have relationship when people don't agree with you? <laughs> How do you have relationship with your own kids when they're thinking crazy stuff? Or as kids, when your parents are just, you know, they're old school, man. They're just not seeing it, right? Like something like that. Like how do we keep relationship? And um, if anything is important and um, practical for this time, I feel like it's the words of Christ. This is what we need. <laughs> it's, and it's so, it makes me excited because um, I think there's going to be revival of spirituality in this time. I think there's going to be a clo drawing closer to God. And, um, so let's look at the Master, how, how he shows us. Philippians 2, um, this is one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. So let's just read it. Is that okay with you guys? How, we're going in an okay place this morning for you? And I also just, I kind of want to like, you know, besides just what I'm bringing to the table, 
Um, I wonder what's being inspired in your guys' hearts. I wonder what's, you know, it's Sunday, Sunday service just doesn't have to be a one-way street. So, you know, I'm wondering uh, maybe during this service, if something's inspired, if something's sparked, um, we can hear that from you guys. But we'll, we'll just see how it goes. We're in this together, right? There's, let's just tear down this. There's like an invisible glass shield thing right here that I just don't want. It's like the stage makes it or something. But we're in this together. We're diving into the scripture together. All right, in your relationships with one another, just like what we were talking about, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And before you go to the next slide, I love the King James wording. It says, let yourself. Let yourself. And um, I think that was super inspired, the way they translated that back in the 1500s. Because the mindset of Jesus, when you, when you, when you're, um, when it's, when you're taking it on, it's easy. You almost fall into it. And so let, when, when Paul says in the King James, you can look up, let yourself have the mind of Christ. It's almost like this picture of what's keeping us from falling into the mindset of Christ are the things I'm gripping. You know, the things I'm holding on to so tight. And sometimes religion is taught and perceived that it's so hard such a hard job to get to Christ. And I think it's the opposite. I think it's the easiest path. It's harder to be in bondage to our addictions and our sins than to live in freedom and joy and peace. Amen? <laughs> it's like this weird mind flip that we've fallen into. Like, oh, it's so hard. But no, let it happen. It's so natural, so beautiful to fall into the mindset of seeing people like Jesus saw them. And as we fall into that vision, you're going to find that it's just about letting things go, which is scary because it requires faith, <laughs> which I think is the point. But um, next verse. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is so cool. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Let's just pause right there. So, it's almost saying, um, I wrote it down a certain way. Part of being like Christ, so if you're, if, if you're actually like Jesus, you actually have the ability to not be seen like as Jesus like <laughs> it's kind of a weird if you are actually if you actually have the character of Christ you don't need other people to see you as a holy person rather than clinging to the image of God that Jesus really was you know he wasn't faking it he's not an imposter he was divine but Jesus himself Having that nature didn't need to be on a pedestal. Dude, that's freeing. So it's almost like if you have the stuff, you don't need other people to think you have the stuff. Unless you don't really have the stuff and you just want people to think you have the stuff. That's heavy. <laughs> that's hard to do. 
you got to work real hard on your Instagram to make people think you got the stuff. But it's almost like true talent is blind to itself. You know, and um, just one, one more thing. I really, you know, if you, if you witness beautiful talent in the world, please, please never tell yourself, okay, I need to go tell that person to keep their head small. I need to go keep, keep their ego in check. Because I prom- if they really have talent, they don't know it. It's a weird conundrum. Like, I say this to my wife every week. When she sings, it melts my soul. <laughs> and she doesn't know. You know, it's, it's weird. The talent is blind to itself. Divine character, the reflection of God when it's happening. So I just want to, if you witness it, if you see somebody that's awesome at something, tell them. Unashamedly, like, I had a friend one time just... He wasn't even that close of a friend to me, but we were kind of acquaintances. I was coming back from Fiji, walking down the, walking in the airport. I got a voicemail. I opened my voicemail, and my friend's just like, Seth, I just want to tell you, man, I think you're so awesome, man. I just love what you do. I love who you are. You're so encouraging. It was like, it was almost like too much. I was like, what is going on? And it meant a lot, because... I never, like, I was a missionary. Nobody ever comes up to me and says thank you for being, they're just like, he's the mission. I don't know what it is. Nobody really said thank you to a missionary. (laughs) So when he did it, it, like, it meant a lot. So, you know, if you see talent, especially in your kids, whoa, affirm them. Don't try to keep them in check. Say, wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Build it up because, you know, we need more of genuine, the stuff. And that's how, <laughs> you know, we don't want to discourage it. And so, um, I kind of, that's kind of the first falling is we, we can kind of let go that we need people to think something lofty of us. Isn't that kind of freeing? This is the mind of Christ. Being in the form of God didn't need people to think he was Michael Jordan. And we're going to see that in the story today. We'll go to the next. Is there one more verse on that? And being found in appearance as a man, God who, you know, it's just crazy. It's like Steven Spielberg shows up to his own movie and nobody recognizes him. And he loves it. Because he just wants to hang. That's what Jesus did. This is the spirit of God. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And this is the way God wanted to influence the world. This is the way God was going to unleash actual change, is by going down. It's so antithetical to American consciousness, right? Americans, we got to be the best. I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm awakening more and more to um, how much I care about my appearance. <laughs> I love what Jack was saying this morning. It's so in line with what, dude, I care about how you guys see me. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> it's more of a confession than a sermon. I care. I want to be seen as, that guy's got the stuff. You know, and it's, uh, it's kind of like Jack said, it's hard, but there's wonder and beauty in coming to see this because I believe when light, is shi- when light shines on a dark area in your life, 
But darkness can't fight back too much longer, right? When you turn a light switch, darkness can't fight back. It's just, so it's only a matter of time until I'm going to be free of this. But, so I, I learned this last week. I really care about the way people see me. <laughs> I was, uh, what was happening? I was, um, it, was a, it was a good day. You know, I, I'm, I love being a dad. It's the best. Like, you know, our daughter makes us laugh so much. And she does so much funny things. She's a year and a half. Her name's River. And she is the best personality. But this was a day when it, it wasn't, it wasn't, enough, we're, we're not laughing. <laughs> she missed her nap, you know. Everything was causing her just to melt, you know. No matter what we did, we tried to get her sleep. She's not going to sleep. We tried to get her to eat. Tried to get her to laugh. Tried to get, nothing's working. So we have a secret weapon. How many of you parents had a secret weapon? I don't know. What were some of your secret weapons, actually? <laughs> It'd be kind of good to hear. <laughs> it's tough. Anybody? Play games? Yeah, board games? Yeah, we don't even own a board game. I need to get some board games. <laughs> Does that mean board games or just games? Oh, like choo-choo train stuff. I like that, Hillary. I'm going to try that out this week. What, one of my only secret weapons, it's actually pretty awesome, it's the mountain bike. Sounds a little weird for a year and a half year old baby. However, there's a new technology. Grandma bought us an awesome bike seat made by Thule, and it sits in front. So River has always, 100% of the time, as soon as we put her in the bike seat, she just locks in, she grabs the wheel, and she thinks she's driving because she's in front of me, and she is always happy. Always. I'm not exaggerating. She has never cried on the bike at this point. At this point. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a cool dad. Because I'm used to, like, when I get River on the bike, it's just the cutest thing. And when people see me, they don't see, like, this homeless-looking, bearded, shaggy guy. They see, like, a cute dad now, you know, when I'm on a bike with my baby, especially my cute baby. So I'm used to biking by people, and they're just like, and they're waving at me, and they trust me, like, all of a sudden. I'm just like, this is so amazing. So I'm used to that, and we're, we're going on a bike ride, and we kind of bike around Swanner's Pathway up here, and there's a little park, so we stopped, and we're in the swing, and um, we're swinging, and River's happy. She's like, yes, you know, found it. Pushing her in the swing, and it starts to rain a little bit, but there was no sign of it before. And so I'm like, all right, we got to go. And she's like, no, I don't want to go. And she's learning sign language. And she was literally pointing at her seat and doing the more food sign. I was like, you're a genius. But we got to go. We got to go, River. And the storm was coming. The wind was coming. She had like a little sweatshirt on, but we weren't prepared. And we had a little bit of a bike ride back to the house. So I put her in the bike seat. She's, she kind of starts crying, just leaving the swing. And we got, a, we got a pretty long bike ride. I'm like... The bike's going to work. As soon as I stick her in, I buckle her up. She, she's happy, and then she just starts losing it. I'm like, what? It's not working. So I get out right along 220. You know, it's kind of a busy street, and there's lots of action, lots of cars. And River, she just starts, she does this thing when she gets really upset where she'll just throw her head. Like she's rocking out in like a mosh pit. She'll just start doing this, and she's connected to my handlebars. So, the, and the first time she did it, it was really unexpected. She just, 
Woo, and I, my bike is like swerving off the path. I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm looking, and all these cars are watching me, you know, with my baby. And I'm like, whoa. You know, my baby's just crying, throwing her head like this. And I'm feeling so embarrassed, just like, and I can't see their faces. I just know cars are watching me, you know. And I'm starting to get insecure, and we're getting close to the neighborhood. And as we're approaching the neighborhood, there's this really nice couple in a, like big jackets. I could tell they're kind of elderly couple. You know, beanies on, thick jackets, and here I am in my t-shirt, my baby who doesn't even have hair, she's bald, obviously cold, you know, it's not looking good, and I'm approaching these guys, and I'm like, this is the first time I've ever felt like, I don't want these guys to see me right now, because I know what they're going to think, and um, as we're getting closer, I'm like, maybe River's going to calm down, no, it was the op. she got worse, she was shrieking, like, Sounds you only hear in the horror movies. Shrieking. I'm like, dang, this girl's going to be a singer for sure. But this, I didn't, don't want to hear those pipes right now. I'm like, take it easy. And she's just like, ah! And I'm coming up. And right as I'm passing the, the grandma, she can, she, she's walking, she's bundled up. The look of horror on her face. And she's, she, she was ready to comfort my baby. This is a stranger. And I was like, what is she doing? She's like, like making this face like, I, I, it's burned into my memory. It was just, you know, it was kind of like, I have to rescue this child from her demented dad. <laughs> it felt so terrible. She's like coming up like this. And I'm approaching her. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Instead of slowing down, I just sped up, zoom, just cruise right by her. <laughs> and I'm like looking back, and they're like looking at me. And I was like, I was like, do not let them see where my garage is. Do not let them see me pull into my house, because I'll have child services knocking on my door. And I cruise around the corner, open my garage, and like jumped in and closed it and just like in hiding. Because, you know, I knew I knew what it looked like to be seen in that way, and I couldn't explain myself. And you know, it was just, I am the bad father once again, you know, confess, you know, that feeling or whatever. And um, it's just, it's intense because um, we live in a culture that puts so much credibility on appearance, right? How it appears, um, the headline, the post, the rumor the tweet, we let that fill in the whole story for us. That's just how our culture's built. And it makes sense because you, you, you can get a lot by appearance in our culture. It does benefit you, right? Like, especially with social media, like, you can make a lot of money by appearing awesome. So it's almost like you would rather, you know, have the photo and the post of the awesome vacation than actually have an awesome vacation. It's like appearance is like taking over our whole world right now. And yeah, and it is global. I'm not just gonna rip on Americans. It's, 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 a, it's a whole thing. And so, and I, I felt that. And to be seen as something that's not true, or at least, you know, it hurt. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't want to see that lady again because I'm the, I'm the guy who forced his baby to take a mountain bike ride in the rain with no jacket and no hat. <laughs> you know, that's how, that was it. That was the appearance. Um, 
I want to play you guys just a little song that I heard like two weeks ago, and it started to inspire um, kind of these thoughts around this scripture. But um, have you guys ever heard of John Bellion? Yeah, there's a little, little John Bellion love. Um, is it okay if we just play like the first 15 seconds of a song? Not in church. Not today. Okay. Abby, maybe we shouldn't. Just, let's have a vote. I'm just kidding. Let's just do it. Um, but yeah, so I have the lyrics of this, this first section, and I, I think it's such an amazing reflection of our, of our mindset right now in, in our country. Um, we'll just do like 15 seconds. You can kind of read the lyrics of it. Life became dangerous the day we all became famous. No one cares if you're happy, just as long as you claim it. Uh. How can we change this the day we all became famous? No one cares if you have it, just as long as they think you do. Just as long as they think you do. Just as long as they think you do. Pause it for a second. It's a great song. You guys should listen to it. It's called The Internet by John Bellion. Life became dangerous the day we all became famous, meaning, you know, this is the first generation where we can all watch each other. You know, we all have followers. That never happened before except for famous people. But it's created this thing in our minds where as long as people think we're, we're awesome, that's all that matters. You know, that's how we make money. That's how we build our businesses. That's how we build our families. It's this external pressure. You know, life became dangerous <laughs> the day we all became famous. You guys, how much pressure? I can't imagine growing up in junior high and high school these days. Dude, I was so insecure as a junior high kid. Every imperfect, every zit, every freckle, you know, Last thing I want is like something posted of me that is never coming off. You know, I had some pretty embarrassing moments. I'm so glad. How many of you guys are glad that those aren't posted or on YouTube somewhere? It's like our kids are growing up in this world. You know, I'm thinking about my daughter growing up in this world where if you don't look, you know, whatever, normal or awesome, you're, you're going to be judged that way. And it, it's going to kind of put a ceiling. And so it creates all this, it's kind of like that, that hard grip I'm talking about where it's really hard to control your appearance because, as we all know, how many of you guys chose what you look like? <laughs> it's not a choice, but we act like it is. We, like, judge people for how they look. Like, and I'm, I'm talking deeper than just, like, choosing to look like this, you know. <laughs> like, that's my fault. This is my fault. I'll take the heat. I'll own that. But how, the, our skin color, where we're born, our country, you know, we don't choose that stuff, but we treat people like they do. It's intense. And I think it's just the natural fruit of this kind of culture we're creating. So I kind of see the need to um, intentionally not get swept up in it a little bit, right? So which is hard when we're going to have to take some hits. If appearance isn't going to be your most important value, um, there, there are times where 
you're going to feel some downward direction. Because in a culture that lifts you up by appearance, what happens when you abandon that? And this is what I see in Luke 4. We're going to look at this story where Jesus, he just puts this to, to live action. The, the mindset we just read, we're going to see it in a story. And um, this, is the, this is the part of the story where um, the beginning of the story, Jesus is so loved and he's actually famous in a good way. And in this, by the end of this story, he loses his reputation. And it's, it's powerful. I never even really noticed it in this story before because it's, it's kind of subtle. But let's dive into Luke chapter 4. And um, just kind of see the anchor that Jesus is holding as his reputation gets destroyed. You know? This is like before the bike ride, then after the bike ride. <laughs> uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So this is the first story after his 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted, being filled with the Spirit of God. This is the first time he comes back into town. So you would think, if you're going to spend a lot of time seeking God and fasting and praying, the first thing when you come back, it's going to be like power, right? God, I just spent a lot of time with God. And it's pretty much the opposite circumstance that happens. Um, he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. All, all the good vibes. Um, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. This is his hometown, where he was born. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and I love this because Jesus just had a routine about him. We kind of think that everywhere Jesus went, he was always noticed or doing something flashy. No, he, he, he was an ordinary man. You know, we don't even have stories about him until he's like 30. He was, in, he was God loved being ordinary. There was a power in it to God, and he chose it. Because if anybody can claim status and say, oh, my friends, you know, I'm friends with this guy, and I'm friends with this guy, and I did this, and I did this, it's, it's God, right? He could have chosen to come back as Justin Bieber if he wanted to. Love just no rips on Justin Bieber, but, like, he didn't. He came as an ordinary dude in an ordinary time in a very small city where there's not much hype. So he's just going with his custom, and he stood up. You know, just in church, just imagine one of you guys just like, I'll read. And he stands up, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, uh, he found the place where it's written. So he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. They didn't have Bibles at this point. They just had pieces of text, and they let that text speak inspired messages um, to them at that time. So... Um, that's just what he did. So he found this part, and Jesus very specifically chooses to focus on this part. And now is where we're going to see that Jesus isn't here to win everybody's um, acceptance, which is weird, because I thought it's all about getting everybody to accept Jesus Christ. Right? Isn't that the game? Accept Jesus. Accept Jesus. Accept when Jesus lived. He didn't, he, he's clearly 
has a different priority than just being accepted. He, he's going to stand for something right here. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to go low. <laughs> to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I just love that sandwich. The, the top of the sandwich is, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens in the year of the Lord's favor. And what happens is the Spirit of God leads Jesus to go low. And everything's really set up for him to win the, win the vote right now. And he's about to squash it with his message. This isn't popular, especially when you see where he's about to go. Um, and just put the next verse real quick. I just thought this was so cool. He just rolled up the scroll. Oh, wait. Oh, is this the next one? Yeah. You can go back. We don't have to skip it. We can read every word. Is this the one? Yeah. Then he rolled up the scroll. I just love it. He just stands up, reads it. Rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, sits down. And the eyes of everybody's just looking at him. And I just love how he just let the substance of the text be. He didn't stand up and say, listen, guys, I just came back from fasting 40 days. Ooh, I'd listen, you know. Ooh, ooh, he did do that. He's not acting. That would have drawn a lot of appeal. That would have given a lot of weight. And Jesus just did this, dude. He just... You know, the year of the Lord's favor. He just goes and he sits down. But for some reason, it struck them so hard that everybody's just staring at him. It, it reminded me of at that concert we were at with Joe. There was this amazing artist. He was a modern-day Native American Johnny Cash. Like he sounded like booming Johnny, a big dude with a big jacket and jeans, and when he came up to do his performance last week, he was the first performance, he was the opening. So the whole room's really distracted, nobody's looking at the stage, and we were standing by the stage, it was a really small venue, Kilby Court, it's actually pretty cool. So we're standing right there, and this guy just walks in, and I was like, I think that's the artist, but nobody knows, but he was, yeah, he, he just picks up a guitar, okay, this is him, and he just like walks right by us, walks up to the stage, and I'm expecting, like, get everybody's attention, right? He just goes up, and he plugs in his guitar, just stands like this. He doesn't even look up yet, and he just plays the simplest noodle. It's like, on his guitar, just do-do-do. Everybody's like, I think there's music. <laughs> He's like, do-do-do. And then he just, he just sang, just, it wasn't even words, he just did like a, a, a vocal, just a little, hey, a little like, hey. and it was so amazing to me because he didn't try to be impressive. He just stood up, but then this was something I can't explain. As soon as he sang the first word right there, the, the depth to his voice and the boom to his voice, it literally shook me and I had to hold back tears. It was so beautiful how the artist just let his art speak. You know, I, 
I think there's way too, there's, there's so much focus on the hype and build up and let's talk about it and let's, let's rip on this movie or let's hype this movie or let's talk about this art or let me talk about the performance I just did. And this was such a beautiful example of what I think Jesus did. He just stands up, lets the art speak, sits down. And I think that is, it's almost like when you add too many words to it, it just clutters the art. That's my problem (laughs) as a preacher man. (laughs) But he sits down and Jesus doesn't apologize for anything. Everybody's clearly looking at him very intently. And we're going to see that they're not happy. And this is why. I think that we, I think there would be the same reaction today, actually. He rolls it up, gives it back, and from his seat, he just tells them two stories. And he began by saying to them, today, this, the scripture is fulfilled. That's a big statement. And then he keeps, he should have stopped right there because everybody was stoked. Like, this is the Messiah. We heard the rumors, and now he's here, and Everybody is believing it, and they're applauding him. We're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But there was a little bit of a weird contradiction. Like, but isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? But that wasn't hanging them up right now. Jesus should have just closed his mouth. But he goes on, he tells two stories. And Jesus said to them, surely you're going to quote this to me. Physician, heal yourself. And I'm going to tell you, or and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Paraphrase, we heard that you're the Messiah. Prove it. Do what the Messiah does. You know, be God. If you're really God, be God. And Jesus is telling them pretty much, I'm about to let you guys down, and you're going to doubt me, and you're going to question me, and you're going to accuse me. And If I was Jesus or if he had a PR team around him, you know, they would have scolded him. Been like, just don't say that yet, you know? Just ride ride the success for a second. Ride the influence. And he just pops the balloon. And now he tells these two stories that make the whole room erupt. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophets accepted in his own hometown. He's talking to his own hometown He's pretty much telling them, you guys aren't going to see the truth. I assure you that there were many widows. Try to, try to just, this is the last landing point, but I read through this so fast, I didn't even see what was controversial the first time. I was like, what? This isn't controversial, but it is. <laughs> I assure you, here's the key word, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. So Elijah was the representation of God, a super prophet, a super representation of God. And that's part of the story, is that what Elijah did is what God does, okay? And Jesus says, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, there was severe famine uh, throughout the land, and this is a story in Kings. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them. I'm going to ask you guys why this is controversial in a second. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them in Israel, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Um, let's, just keep, let's just keep reading. 
We'll come back. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Why is that controversial? Just do the next line real quick. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Do the next one. They got up. This got physical now. He broke the last straw. They're not even going to tolerate him in their community anymore. They drove him out of the town. They took him to the brow of the hill on a cliff, which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. This is what sent them to saying, this guy's amazing. This guy's the Messiah. This guy's awesome. He comes and speaks in church before church is even over. Everybody's feeling justified. We got to kill this guy for the betterment of our whole culture and our whole movement. Let's kill this guy. And uh, this next line is beautiful. But he walked right through the crowd, went on his way. So awesome. You guys, why is that so controversial? It takes a little bit of, I guess, like, so Elisha, the representation of God, sidesteps the people who bear God's name and is actually moving with two people. And both of these people, the thing about, you'd know this if you were an Israelite, but um, Zarephath and uh, Syria, they're all kind of the same area. That's the region That's the enemy of God's people. The Syrians, they were the ones who worshipped Baal. They're the ones who did child sacrifices. They're the ones who did prostitution stuff at the temple. Worshipping Baal was, you know, it was a big thing at the time. And it was very bloody and very violent and very messed up. And Jesus says, this lady who was one of them, this guy Naaman who was one of them, these two stories that you guys have in your, your history, this is, I'm, I'm going to draw from your story how actually God is moving. God is more at work with the enemy side than right here. You kind of feel that. God, God is, God, and this is the part, if you look at the story, the widow was not only in need of Elisha. She took care of Elisha, God's, the, the human instrument of God. She, she was an outsider that didn't, it wasn't that Elisha was going to her to rescue her, to save her. They had a mutual thing. They had a mutual um, interaction where she actually provided for him. And there's this thing where right now in our culture, you guys, there are many sides and especially in Christianity. I was listening to a podcast last week as I was washing windows. And the, this pastor, literally, he's a very prominent figure for evangelical church. I love this guy. And he was literally saying, um, he was saying how, um, <clears throat> he, was, he was so ashamed because um, the evangelical church lost, was losing trust with him because there was a photo posted of him hanging out with, a, with one of the leaders of the charismatic movement. There's the leader of the evangelical movement, 
in a photo, just in a photo, just a little association, just a little hang. Not a big hang, just a little hangout. And the church, the evangelical, there's movements around the country saying, don't buy his book, don't listen to this guy because of this post. And this is when it all hit me. This is, this is, this is what's happening. This is, this is the danger of thinking it's about appearance. Why was Jesus so controversial? What, one of the questions they would always ask him is, Jesus, why were you eating with those guys? Same thing. And Jesus said what? <laughs> it's awesome. All kinds of, just, I'll leave that up to you guys to go read. His response is amazing. And it's crazy because this evangelical leader that I've heard preach so many times that I look up to so much, he's getting caught in the same trap of, you know, um, I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have had that photo taken. Because that wasn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, because these are my people. This is what Jesus says in these stories. The people in Syria. You know the Baal, the Baal town? That's, that's my people too. <laughs> no! No! Israel, their whole economy was based on you have to go to the temple. You have to fulfill these ordinances. You have to do these things to get to God. You got to bring your money, bring your pigeons, bring your lambs. This city survived on a belief that you had to do certain things to get to God. And what Jesus comes back from his 40 days fasting in the power of the Holy Spirit tears down those walls. And the response is anger. And here's the, here's the thing about anger. If you're the one getting so angry, there's usually a seed of truth. That's why you're angry. So sometimes our anger makes us think, we're justified. We're right. I'm angry. It actually means that you're being exposed. And you don't want to be. Because Jesus pulled from their story a story they accepted to hear something they did not want to hear. That God is more at work and actually using the outside people. And here's the cool thing in the story of St. Kings. When Elisha went to that widow, she didn't even know that God was using her. But the story is that God was using her. <laughs> this is so powerful. What if I was to stand up here with you guys today? Jack, you, you guys can come up. I want to ask this question as we're going into communion. We're about to take communion. This represents the life and the death of Jesus that came about because, because, and this is what we see in this story, who he's including. Who he included. You always hear, no, Jesus is exclusive, Jesus is exclusive, only Jesus. My question is, what does only Jesus mean? Because <laughs> when you look at what Jesus meant by I am the way, God is moving in your enemy. Be careful who you see as your enemy, because in the appearance, they're your enemy. We all bleed red. We're all in the image of God. We all need each other for this world to continue. <laughs> I'm 
I'm kind of grateful for the atom bomb because now it's like, all right, now we got to work together. <laughs> we can't just blow away the, the stupid people. Because I think what Jesus would say is, yeah, I have some awesome family in China. You know, yeah, I have some awesome people sitting at the dinner table over there, you know, wearing a lot of red. <laughs> yeah, I have some awesome, you know, one of my favorite people is over here, you know, and in front of his lawn it says, um, we believe in love and we believe in all that progressive junk, right? All that progressive stupid junk. And I think God would say, you know what, that person is actually being used by God. No, 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 no. This is amazing. It's time for you to be fed by the outsiders because they are farther along than us in the church. It's time for us to learn from the people who aren't going to church. They're farther along than us in this game of compassion and unity. It's not happening in here. It's out there. We live in a God-bathed world. There is no place where Christ is not. Read Colossians. He holds it all. He loves it all. We create the lines. <laughs> God doesn't see Syria and Israel in a line. Pope politics, man-made lines. Man-made scarcity. Man-made judgment. Man-made inferiority complex. Man-made, you're nothing. Man's, the culture says you're nothing if you look like this. That's not from God. It's time for us. Dude, there's so much more in this story I'd love to say, but we're just going to close it right here. And I really just ask and I plead, let's just stand together. As we take these, this symbol of community, where is God calling you to let the walls down? Have relationship with Him. I know they don't believe the same thing as you. Who cares? When did Jesus ever say for you to have association with somebody, they have to think the same way as you? That's man-made. And I'll just leave with this thought. The sign of a true believer. I think the sign of, of a mature follower of Jesus. Look at your life. Look at your friends. The people you love. How different are they than you? <laughs> Do you only hang out with Christians? Do you only love Christians? Or a, a denomination of Christians? Or are we going to be stretched and grown and fall into the love that loves even our enemies? Woo! Man, it's a powerful stuff. Let's just pray as we go into this. Father, thank you for the text. Thank you for these stories. Thank you for who Jesus was and the world has never forgot this guy and his work isn't finished yet. We need you, God. I pray, God, that you would 
resurrect relationships in this room between parents and kids and fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Just, I pray for reconciliation. I pray for compassion. I pray for overlooking each other's wrongs. I pray for us that we could have the same mind as you. We don't need to impress. We can go low. We need you, God, desperately. We need you. We need to know this spirit of love. As we come to the communion table, speak like only you can speak. Straight to our hearts. Help us to keep our mind attuned to you and listen. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are welcome to come.